0: Good morning, it's a wonderful morning this morning, uh, not only because we get to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, um, but we also have the privilege this morning to witness uh, two getting baptized. Um, I've met with these two individuals and they both have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and they desire to live for him. And I want you to understand that baptism is not salvation. Um, In fact, I was explaining to them the other day that as a believer in Christ, when you trust Jesus Christ as your uh, Savior, that you are baptized into the body of Christ. You're placed into the body. So if you belong to Jesus Christ this morning, uh, you've been placed into the body of Christ. And that will never change. Once you're in the body of Christ, that's it. The Bible says that we are sealed as believers until the day of redemption. Um, But it's important that we also be water baptized. The Bible tells us that, uh, that we should be. It's obedience uh, to the Lord Jesus and what he said uh, to his disciples. As they went out and witnessed, he told them to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so today... Uh, we have the privilege to witness two that are being obedient to the command of the Lord. And baptism is also identification with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, I was explaining to them that back in, in the day, just like today, there are false teachers and, and being baptized uh, was a sign that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's identification with his death, burial, and his resurrection. And um. Baptism is also an opportunity to to tell you that are witnesses today that these individuals belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's their desire. They want to do that today. And so this morning, uh, we have, first of all, Noah Landers. And this is Noah. And Noah, here are all these people out there, all right? And... um. I met with Noah the other day, and this is a sensitive young man. He really has a heart for the Lord and, and desires to, to serve him. I have the privilege of, of having Noah on uh, Wednesday nights in Awana. And it's, it's wonderful to hear uh, him as he uh, gives his verse to me, because they memorize verses in Awana. But I also take the opportunity to explain those verses to these, these kids that I'm with, that I have the privilege to be with. And so um, Noah is one of those guys. And uh, he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you, Noah, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes, sir. Isn't that great? Amen. All God's people said amen. All right. And is it your desire, Noah, to live for him? Yes, sir. Amen again. All right. And so it is my privilege, my brother, to baptize you now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. Next one this morning is Jason Maynard. Jason, come on down. He's a little bit bigger than Noah. Now, Jason, my brother, listen, they're laughing for a t- couple of different reasons, all right? One is that they're like, he's bigger than Thad, and the other is, how in the world is Thad going to get him down and get him back up? And my answer to that, Jason, is with the help of the Lord. (laughs) But I had the opportunity last Sunday afternoon to meet with Jason. And it was a wonderful meeting. Uh, One of the things that stuck out to me as we were meeting is that he said before salvation, he longed for peace. And you know what? That's what salvation does. It grants us peace with God through Jesus Christ. And so it's a wonderful privilege to be able to meet with Jason and to hear his testimony and how the Lord is working in his life. And so, Jason, I'm going to ask you, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes, sir. Amen? And is it your desire to live for him as Lord? Yes, sir. All right. It is my privilege now, my brother, to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's have a word of prayer uh, together. Our Father, this morning, we just want to thank you so much uh, for what you do, because it's all about you. Lord, it's about your saving grace. It's about your grace in our lives each day as we live. And Father, we just want to thank you this morning for Noah and for Jason, and Lord, for their, their life that they have, but more importantly Lord the eternal life that they have through you and Lord it's just such a privilege to be able to be a part of that this morning to witness your saving grace in their life and I thank you for the obedience that they've shown this morning and um, Lord through the demonstration of baptism and then also Lord their desire to live for you and I pray that your spirit would be their guide and that Lord they would desire your word each day And as they go through the valleys, because that's where we live a lot in the valleys, Lord, that they would look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we commit the service to you this morning. We ask that everything that's done would honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: And that's what it's all about. Salvation through Christ Jesus. Resurrection coming alive again. Once you were dead, but now you are alive. That's what it's all about. Um, this morning as we start our uh, service, uh, I wanted us to kind of back up just a little bit because we sing a lot of songs about the cross and we sing songs about the resurrection, but a lot of times we don't sing songs about the road Christ had to take to get there. The Bible says in Isaiah, it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. And then he, also, he goes on and he says, He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And... That's what Christ did for us. He took that special road. Uh, this morning we have a special guest that I want to introduce to you. Some of you have met her before because her name is Skylar Wallace. Skylar, if you'd come up, please. Her name is Skylar Wallace. She's uh, she's the daughter of Holly Mayner, And uh, and then Jason. Jason is... Uh, and, and so we're just glad to have Skylar. Uh, Skylar has... Um, had an opportunity. God has been able, has given her this wonderful voice and she's been able to sing both professionally and for the Lord. And so you're going to get to hear her sing for the Lord today. And she's going to sing that great song that Sandy Patty made uh, famous uh, several years back called Via Dolorosa. Uh Skylar Wallace, and we're going to have an opportunity to hear more from her as she comes and visits down here with us, and, um, and uh, another thing too, I didn't mention that, um, but uh, she's also the granddaughter of Ken and Judy Carden, and now uh, Judy says that uh, that she didn't get it from her, so Ken, you're it, you know. <laughs> But anyway, we appreciate uh, them uh, sharing her with us and her coming and being with us. It's always good to see her with us. She's been with us several times before. But anyway, we'll be looking forward to that. But uh, he walked that path, and he died on the cross for each and every one of us. In our stead, he died. We should have been there, but he died.
2: (laughs) Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah.
0: to Grace Community Church. If you're visiting with us today, we're thrilled that you're here with us to celebrate. You know, and that's not something we do just one time a year. We celebrate the Lord every day, don't we? If we're in Christ. And so Easter just happens to be one of those days that, that we celebrate. On Monday and Tuesday nights, we uh, actually have a basketball team here at Grace. On Monday and Tuesday nights, we play and and I'm actually a part of that team and, uh, for whatever reason. And um, so this past Tuesday or Monday night we played and um, we gathered around at the center court and right before the game and we all prayed together. And there was a man in the circle and he kind of leaned over to me. And he said, Oh, somebody my age playing. And I said, Well, that depends. I said how old are you? He said 33. I said you can just call me daddy. (laughs) All right take your Bibles and go with me to 1st Corinthians in the 15th chapter. 1st Corinthians 15. It is the chapter on the resurrection by the Apostle Paul. And my every intention at the beginning of the week was to cover verses 12 through 19. And as I was reading through and studying through 1 Corinthians 15, I could not get past verse 10. I just couldn't do it. As believers, we celebrate the resurrection every day. And as a believer, the Apostle Paul celebrated the resurrection and chapter 15 is evidence of that fact for Paul not only was he defending the resurrection of Jesus Christ by referring to those who had seen the resurrected Christ but in the chapter later on he talks about the future resurrection of the believer the hope that we have in Christ of one day actually being In the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that's going to take place? The question becomes, will you be there? Will you be there? Paul knew for certain that he would be there. And as I was studying through the verses, I got to verse 10, and it just is a verse about grace. And I thought, I really believe the Lord wanted me to stop this morning and talk about that very issue of grace because I want us to understand it that it's not just saving grace that Paul speaks about in this section in verses 9 through 11 but it's serving through grace. Do you understand what grace means? You can understand it by definition and maybe not even be living it out. One author wrote that one of the saddest pictures in the Christian life today, is those who understand saving grace, but then they don't understand daily grace. That it's by grace that we serve. It's by grace that we live. It's by grace that we're able to do anything or accomplish anything for the Lord, and at the end of the day, it's really not us. But it's Him. And Paul understood that, and so... I want us to understand it this morning. He understood this amazing grace, but I want us to understand it this morning. I've got some notes that I hope are going up there. Thank you. Just in case you don't have a Bible handy, look what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am. By the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am. Well, what in the world was he saying? Who was Paul? And I believe in the context of the passage in verses 9 through 11, there's two things he understood. He understood as an apostle, first of all, that he was saved by grace. Do you understand today that if you were in Christ, you were saved by grace? That it was nothing that you did. You couldn't do anything. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation, and yet there are multitudes of people out there in our culture today that believe that somehow they have to earn their way to God. Those of us who are in Christ and have been for a long time, we know how ridiculous that is. But you know, Paul, before he was a believer, was a zealous man. He was a zealous man. In fact, his own testimony and. In the book of Philippians says he was zealous to persecute the church of God. So if there's one that understood saving grace, it certainly was Paul. Verse 10 begins with this little word. Right, you see that little word there? But. And sometimes there's a tendency to skip over those beautiful conjunctions. Right, you remember studying that in English when you were in class in maybe like 7th or 8th grade and your teacher said, let me share with you. And you're like, yeah! I can't wait for that to happen. That little word's very important because Paul is drawing a contrast here. And the contrast is what he understood himself to be saved by grace, an apostle by the grace of God versus what he was. And, and as he's re counting all those who saw the resurrected Christ. He gets to himself and and he gives this wonderful picture of true humility. Verse 9, look what it says. Paul says for I am the what? The least of the apostles. That word least means less than the least. In fact in the Greek it means the littlest, the tiniest. Paul says I'm the tiniest. As he's recalling all these ones who have seen the resurrected Christ, he gets to himself and he says, I'm the least. I'm the littlest of the apostles. And he says, who am not fit to be an apostle? That word fits, an interesting word. It means not to meet up to the standard. Well, if you looked at, at Paul's life before he was transformed by the Lord, how would you describe it? This man was a pagan man, right? He sought to destroy the church of God. And so he says here, I wasn't fit. I'm not fit to be called an apostle. Now that word apostle is an important word, and I want you to understand what it means. The word picture is really a beautiful picture. An apostle, by definition, is one sent forth from by another. And in the context of the passage, Paul understood that he was sent forth by God. He was sent forth by God to do what? To proclaim a message. What was the message? The gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, the greatest summary, I believe, one of the greatest summaries of the gospel is found here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 1 through 7, he talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, he says, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. Every one of us in this room is a sinner. And Paul understood, notice he uses the term our, our sins, according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and he begins to tell his audience about all the ones who witnessed the resurrection, resurrected Christ, and he was one of those. And as he's recalling that, he's saying, "I'm the least. I'm less than the least. I'm not fit to be called an apostle." So the word, by definition, by definition, means one sent out on a mission. And God, as we as we go back to the Book of Acts, we see that God set forth the apostle Paul on a mission to the Gentiles to do what? To preach the gospel. What do you find the Apostle Paul doing? Preaching the gospel. The word apostle, the the, the word means, like I said, sent forth from by another. But the word picture is pretty awesome. Listen to this. The word picture of an apostle describes a cargo ship sent out with a specific shipment to accomplish a mission. Let me read that again. The word picture of an apostle describes a cargo ship sent out with a specific shipment to accomplish a mission. And I've never been on a cargo ship, so I, I thought, well, that's kind of hard to illustrate. But, but every one of us knows, right, we've seen a FedEx truck. We've seen a UPS truck. In fact, we've probably seen them out in our driveway, and they pull up, actually they pull up on the road, and they come in, and what do they do? They knock sometimes, and they leave a package. But listen, when they get up in the morning, they are on a mission after they load that truck. And you know what that mission is? to empty that truck. They want to empty, in fact, they can't go home till they empty the truck. They're on a mission. The apostle Paul was on a mission. And you know, if you've ever watched those UPS guys or FedEx guys, man, man, they're going, right? I mean, they're not slowing down. And you look at Paul after he got saved, he wasn't slowing down. His life was about the gospel. His life was about sharing the good news of Christ. He was on a mission. He says, for I am the least of the apostles who am not fit to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. You know what that word persecute means? It means to pursue one as an enemy. You say, you mean this guy, hold on a second. This guy that penned over half of the New Testament, are we talking about that guy? Are we? We're talking about that guy. And so we're looking at him going, what? God's grace, his undeserved favor was toward this man who was a persecutor of the church? Oh, that didn't even make sense. Well, he was a persecutor of the church. Take your Bibles and go back with me to the book of Acts. Real quick. The book of Acts, I want to show you just real quickly two passages of Scripture. He was a persecutor of the church. And I believe that tied with the fact that he was an apostle had to mesmerize Paul. Man, what do you mean an apostle? One actually sent out by God. But he was. And so I really believe he understood and I really believe he appreciated saving grace. (laughs) Because if, if you were looking at this guy, you would go, Uh uh-uh. Have you ever looked at someone and said, oh, he doesn't deserve to be saved, or they don't deserve to be saved. Shame on us. We're saved by what? Grace. Grace means undeserved favor. Paul didn't deserve the favor of God, but he got it. Guess what? You and I don't deserve the favor of God if we're in Christ, but we got it. Chapter 8, verse 1, and Saul, this is Paul, right? Look at this. And Saul was in a hearty agreement with putting him to death. Who's him? Stephen. He was there holding the cloaks of those who were putting Stephen, a man who was committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was committed to holding the cloaks of those guys while they stoned Stephen to death. Look at the verse. And on that day, a great persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began doing what? Ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. My friends, that takes effort. He was driven. So his testimony, and as he writes to the Philippian church, it's accurate. He was a zealous persecutor of the church of God. The Bible says here, dragging off men and women, he would put them in prison. Then you go to chapter 9, and verse 1. It says, now Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Is he on the team yet? Answer, No. He was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to who? The way. Jesus said he was the what? The way. You know, how are you sitting in here today? I have to ask that question. There are many people here. Do you know the way? You know, the world says there are many ways. Jesus says there's one way. So which is it? Jesus said there's one way, and that's through him, and that's the way. And so Paul, or Saul here, was persecuting those belonging to the way, both men and women, and he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And so, as Paul pens these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You think he understood Oh, I do. I think he absolutely understood that he was an apostle saved by grace, that he was the least of the least. But it wasn't about him at all. (laughs) It wasn't about him at all. That's what grace does, guys. Grace points the finger to God. It's all about him. In fact, we would, and many would, and did say, wow, this guy, Saul, he's an unlikely guy. He's an unlikely candidate to get saved, to belong to the way. In 1986, there was a slam dunk contest in the NBA, and there was an unlikely dude that won. Now, a lot of you weren't around in 1986, at least that I'm looking at. Now, some of you that I'm looking at, I know you were around in 1986. It came down to two competitors. One was six foot eight, and he played for the Atlanta Hawks, and his name was Dominique Wilkins. Any have you ever heard of Dominique Wilkins? Young people, if you haven't, Google, right? The dude could slam a basketball. He was a great basketball player. But do you know the other contestant in that was five foot seven. And his name, as this young man said on the front row, this man knows basketball. Spud Webb. But if you watched the contest, you'd have been like, oh, well, there's no chance. Before it began, you would have said, no way. But if you go back and watch the video after you eat that ham today, you'll see that man took that basketball, he bounced it off that goal, and he threw it down. Going into that contest, who was the likely winner? Dominique. Not Spud Webb. Looking at this, you're like, oh man, Saul? Really, God, Saul? But you know what? God took an unlikely man, and he transformed lives through that man. question is, how's the Lord working through you? Do you understand saving grace? I hope you do. But is that all you understand? I mean, that's great. Don't get me wrong, that's great. But if that's it... Wow, but it's not it. Well, the apostle Paul understood that he was an apostle saved by grace, but he also understood that he was an apostle that served through or by the grace of God. Notice what verse 10 says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and that that phrase I am is present tense. I am and I continue to be, (laughs) but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And notice what he says, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. You say, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. That word vain means not wasted. It means useless. In other words, the grace of Christ toward Paul was not useless or wasted. Would you say? I mean, the man lived his life for the Lord. 150%. 150%. In fact, at the end of his life, he said, I've finished the course. I've, I've finished everything that the Lord's given me to do. He says, I've done it. Guys, can I ask you a question this morning? Are you saved by grace? And are you living... Your life serving through grace. Can I tell you what I believe? I believe there are people out here who understand what it means to be saved by grace. But I think there are a lot of frustrated people in Christian circles today who don't understand what it means to serve by grace. Because this is what happens. They look at an individual and they say, oh, well, he's a He's a pastor well, I can't do that, or they're a great Sunday school teacher, and I just can't do that. Guess what? I can't do it either. I can't do it. It's only because of the grace of God that I'm standing here today. It's not about an individual, and that's what the church wants to make it, about people, but it is about God. It is about God working through you, an unlikely person. You may be going, hey, I'm like Spud Webb. I can't jam a basketball. Listen to me, God can use you, and he will use you. But what do you have to do? You have to submit to him and say, Lord, I'm willing to be used, right? I'm just a stick, an ugly old stick, but God can use ugly old sticks, and he does. He did, and he does. You say, well, how do you know that, Thad? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Flip back a couple of pages with me. I want to show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When and if I get done with 2 Peter. Um, As of right now, today, I want to do a study on spiritual gifts. And the reason I do is because I think there are a lot of people that are just kind of out there, maybe not using their gifts, not understanding that whole thing. Can I tell you something? Every single one of you today who is in Christ, who belongs to Christ, is valuable to the body of Christ for the glory of God so that the Lord wants to use that gift or gifts that he's given you. You're not just, this isn't a football game where we're sitting on the sideline going, "Yay, waiting for the next play. God wants to use you. He just needs people that are willing to submit. Well, I just want to show you this one verse. Verse 18 of chapter 12. In this section, the Apostle Paul is talking about the members of the body and how important every member is. It's not just one member that's more, you know, oh, this guy's really important or this lady's really important. Listen, the entire body of Christ is important. I think, I really believe this culture, this church culture has bought into a big fat lie. And the big fat lie is, well, I'm not that person, so I can't, no, stop. Please stop. Did you just see what we read about Saul? And God transformed that man on the road to Damascus. And he said, hey, you're you're one of mine now. Well, verse 18, look what it says. Every member in the body is important, verse 18, but now who has placed the members in the body? What's that third word? But now what? God. Who transformed Saul's life? God. If you're a believer, who transformed your life? God. God. But now God has placed the members. Each one of them in the body just as what? As he desired. And you get up in the morning and say, well, I really don't like who I am. Well, hold on, time out. God made you you. Right? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you you. And how many people are sitting in churches every week? And they're folding their hands and they're listening to the, to the music and listening to a pastor preach, and, and they walk out, and all week long, there's nothing. I guess so as not to be judgmental. I was there once. I remember that. I remember being there. I remember being in a church and just kind of going and coming and going and coming. And it just was this cycle, and I'm like, oh my goodness. God has placed each member in the body just as he purposed. Listen to me, if you're saved today, you, don't, you belong to the Lord. That's it, right? You belong to him. You're his possession. Listen to me, Paul understood that. He understood that he was saved by grace and he understood that he was serving by grace. And so listen, God didn't waste his time on that man. That man served faithfully to the end. Verse 10, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored. That idea of labor means toil and sweat, all that yucky stuff, right? Right, it's, it's springtime. How many of you were out in your yard yesterday? Huh? You should have been, all right? How many, my, it's the, listen to me, it was 70 degrees. You need to start working in that yard for that little honey wife of yours who says, babe, I want some flowers. And you're like, yes, dear, I want to do that for you, right? Listen, this idea of labor is toil and sweat. It's hard work. And listen to me, the ministry serving the Lord is hard work. Because at the end of the day, you're accountable to the boss, and the boss is the Lord. So every single day, for every breath, I think, man, Lord, I am so undeserving. And if I was studying this, I'm like, well, if Paul was the least of the least, the littlest of the littlest, I'm under that, whatever that is. I deserve, listen to me, I deserve hell. I'm getting heaven. And I'm only getting heaven because of the grace of God. Well... He understood he was saved by grace as an apostle, and he understood he was serving by grace. He said, I labored even more than all of them. And if you stopped the sentence there, you'd be like, hey, hold on a second, time out. Paul's being a little arrogant here. Uh, you got to keep reading. Yet not I, but, there's that little conjunction, but the grace of God with me. Oh, my goodness. You know, man wants it to be about himself. You know, I did this in the ministry and I want all these pats on the backs and all these, yeah, you did a great job. Do you know there was a time in Paul's life where he wrote, all have abandoned me? (laughs) Listen to me. Serving the Lord is not easy. It will be if you accept it, it will be the hardest job you've ever had. Because there will be people that ridicule you and say, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? I'm a servant of the living God. That's who I am. And as Paul, listen to me, as Paul was was pinning these words in 1 Corinthians and the hope, the blessed hope of the resurrection, it's almost like it's just a pause here in verses 9 through 11 and say, hey, Yes, as the littlest of the littlest of the apostles, I got to see the resurrected Christ, but I didn't earn it. I didn't work for it. It was only by the grace of God. And it's only by the grace of God that I serve him. Look at this, end of the verse. But the grace of God with me. I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. You say, and this is how this works out. Oh, Thad, I can't work with little kids, man. You just don't understand. I just don't talk their language. Well, I don't either. I have them on Wednesday nights. How in the world do you think I'm getting through to them? The grace of God. See? It's not me. I just, I, I so long for the church to say, Yes, Lord. I can do it through you and through you only. It's the grace of God in salvation, and it's the grace of God in service. In his old age, when he could no longer see to read, John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, heard someone recite this verse. By the grace of God, I am what I am. He remained silent for a short time and then said said these words, I am not what I ought to be. Ah, how imperfect and deficient. I am not what I might be, considering my privileges and opportunities. I am not what I wish to be. God who knows my heart knows I wish to be like him. I am not what I hope to be. Before long, I will drop this clay tabernacle to be like him and see him as he is. Yet, I am not what I once was, a child of sin and slave of the devil. Though not all these, not what I ought to be, not what I might be, not what I wish or hope to be, And not what I once was, I think I can truly say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. At the age of 82, Newton said, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. There's a story told of two pastors who were on their way to Atlanta for a large Christian men's gathering. One of them had never been in the South before. After staying in a motel overnight, they stopped at a nearby restaurant for breakfast. When their meal came out, the pastor who had never been in the South before saw this mushy-looking stuff on his plate. And when the waitress came by, again, he asked her what it was. Grit, she replied. He said, ma'am, I didn't order it and I'm not paying for it. And she replied, sir, down here, you don't order it and you don't pay for it. You just get it. (laughs) My friends, listen to me. That's like the grace of God. You just get it. We don't deserve it and we don't pay for it. But we get it. I trust this morning that you know what Paul knew. Paul knew he was saved by grace and that he was serving the Lord by the grace of God. Let's pray together. Lord, this is such a tremendous passage of Scripture to pause on this morning as we think of the blessed hope of the resurrection. As Paul wrote these words... He recalls the gospel of Jesus Christ. He recalls the fact that he was one of many who saw the resurrected Christ. He says he was the littlest of the littlest. In fact, his name, which was changed to Paul from Saul, that word in the Latin means small. He understood what he was before you. And yet, Lord, he understood also your power and how you work through people, how you changed his life on the road to Damascus and how you changed the lives of the apostles and him being one of, one of them. You changed his life. Lord, help us to be, if we're in Christ, if we're saved, Help us not to sit on the sidelines and watch time go by. But help us to be involved in your church. It's your church, Lord. Help us to be involved in that. Help us to surround ourselves with people that we can minister to who truly need to hear the gospel or need to be encouraged in the gospel. Lord, I thank you so much for stopping me on those verses this last week. And how has such impacted my thinking just this last week. And the reminder of grace. Three times in one verse, it's grace. Grace, grace, grace. And as John Newton penned those words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. was blind, but now I see. Lord, can I just thank you for opening my eyes years ago to the truth of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. May I live each day through the grace that you extend to me. not deserved. It's not bought. You freely give it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. <coughs> God's people said, hey, amen. Yeah, yeah. All right, what section is that right there? <laughs> grace, can we say grace to get that high? Guys, I trust you walk out today knowing for certain that you know the Lord. Um, without your permission or my permission, the Lord is gonna reign forever because he's God. and There's no one like him. And the Bible tells us there's two places. There's heaven and there's hell. And heaven is for those who are going to celebrate. Celebrate the reign of the eternal Savior. There's a place called hell. And that place is for those who are without Christ. And this is not a I can get out of jail sometime. It's forever. And so my prayer today truly is that you know the grace of God and salvation, that you know Him as your Savior and as your desire to live for Him as the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we just want to thank You so much. Thank You so much for grace. We, we deserve hell. We deserve to be away from You, but by Your grace and Your grace alone, there will be those in heaven Who are with you for an eternity. Praising your holy name. And I pray that that's everyone in this room. But Lord if there's some in here that don't know you. Today I pray that your your spirit would convict them. Of their sin and their need for the Savior. Who is Jesus Christ the Lord. Help us today. To go out and tell the story. Of Jesus Christ and His saving grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.